switching gears a little bit, I want to ask you um, a question that we got, you know, most people at home um, may not have that much to do because, you know, most people work, you know, eight hours a day. So now, even if you're working from home, you ain't working a full eight hours. Let's just be real. So what are some activities, Dr. Daniels, that you suggest people do that's at home or, or you know, maybe exercising outside? What are some activities you got suggestions for? The first thing I would suggest for people is to is to is to spend some time reconnecting with God and reconnecting with family. So first of all, God then family. So I, I you know I'm suggesting people that when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is have a devotional period. Uh, and and I would advise people to have a devotional period, family devotional period. You know where where you get up and if you have children, where you engage your children as well. So they understand how you as a parent view the importance of having God in your life. It doesn't have to be a long thing. It can be 5, 10, 15 minutes um, with, with, with the family where, you know, you just read a little scripture in the Bible, you know, and just hold hands together and just pray together, you know, for the family and explain to the children the importance of God in your life. But I also encourage, uh, you know, people who are, are mature to take this time to at least spend five to seven minutes as a part of that period reading your Bible. You know, read your Bible, read, you know, start it, whatever chapter you want to start at, and then read and, and pray and connect with God. And then the second thing, connecting with God, you want to connect with your family because uh, that's an important thing to do. Um, so I, I would suggest that we find ways to enjoy one another, you know, um, uh, have have quality time with your children, with your spouse, whoever that does not involve watching TV. Right. You, you know, <clears throat> find right. something that does not involve watching TV or playing with electronic devices. Right. You know, it it could be you know game of Scrabble. It, it you know it could be you know any a board game. It could be you know puzzle. Uh, my mother used to make up games just when we were kids. Yeah. You, you know, for us to play as a because we didn't have a lot of money. You know, and I was growing up so. <laughs> She made up okay. She would even do magic shows for us. Yeah. You know, things like that. And so, you know, those kind of things that help connect and build a family, uh, to me, that's what we have to be focused on, uh, to, to kind of break the monotony today. Because, you know, when you do that, you bring laughter back into your home. Yeah. And when you bring laughter back into your home, the day doesn't seem as long, it does seem as monotonous. And in fact, you look forward to waking up the next day and spending more time with your family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You do. And uh, you know another thing too with um, playing board games, you you quickly find out things, the real personality of people, especially if you play Monopoly. Absolutely. You find out who likes to spend money, who gets angry at people, who mm -hmm. wants to cheat, mm -hmm. and then you find out even your kids, you thought it was all sanctified and holy, be you know be cheating on the, on the low. And then when it's competition, they ready to take your head off. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and, but, and, and also keep telling you just to have conversations. Yeah. You know, even, like, you know, you're right, the, the personalities, they come out. Right. But, but because you, you can have conversations, you know, uh, and, and that's the thing. You know, we, we have gotten away from conver conversing with our children and conversing with one another. And so a lot of couples, I find, even they live together for a long time, they really don't know each other. Right. You, you know, they they don't, they don't know their children. I'm always amazed at parents who say things like, my child would never do this. 
and, and you say that because you don't know your child. Right. If, if right. you know your child, then you will know that yes, uh, little Gerard would do it. You right. know, because you learn your, your children. You know, my mother knew me. It wasn't like she she knew what I was capable of, yeah. and so she would you know tell me if somebody said you know I did something, she wouldn't come up with. I know you wouldn't do it. She would say, "Let me tell you something." Uh, I know you did because I know you. <laughs> yeah. Now, so you might as well fess up now. Because if you don't fess up now, uh, well, for those who don't know what fess means, it is short for confess. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't fess up now, then you will have hell to pay. Right. <laughs> you know. That's what it's, uh, but but and, and say that you know, you know, for 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 me, that's to me what that's what's important. You know, because um, um, we always say we want more time to enjoy life. Now we have more time to enjoy life. Yeah. Now, other than the Bible, what's a what is your number one book that you recommend for people to read? Mm. Let's see. Uh, it I get you know it, it kind of depends. I'm not probably a good person for that because most of the books that I read are technical books. You know, I don't read. A, I don't read the books I read. Most people would not read for pleasure. Yeah, you know, uh, so I'm I'm not probably in a good position to to tell somebody that. Uh, but one thing I would suggest to people to do, also if you got a lot of time, learn a foreign language. Oh, that's a good one. You know, um, and then that's something I do. Like while I'm while I'm running, you know, um, I uh, always listen to Spanish or listen to French, so I can uh, learn learn a foreign language. Um, but I, you know. I, uh, reading is certainly great. You want to, you want to have some reading time in, um, and I, I can tell you this. Now I know a lot of you may not agree with me on this. Um, I have not found a book more intriguing than the Bible. I, I have not, and I have you know been you know in college and you know read you know Western literature and you know European right. literature and and all this kind of stuff. I just haven't found a book that's more intriguing than the Bible. So, you know, I know some people, they'll say, well, you know, you know, they, you want to read, um, like, like, you know, different genres, Shakespeare and so on and so on. But, um, poetry is in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, um, you have history in the Bible, you have love stories in the Bible, you have war in the Bible, you have drama in the Bible, you have all those elements in the Bible that, that, that are there for you. For the average person, uh, if you started reading the Bible, it probably would take you till the coronavirus has subsided before you got through it. Right, right. You know, and and one 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 read through is not enough. You know, really, one read through just kind of makes you say, "Hmm." You need another read through so it can start sinking in. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, for me anyway, uh, and I've been reading it. Now I would say for, gosh, a good forty years, and it's still my favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that's um, that now I'm going to go ask the question mm-hmm. as the the person who is just joining into church, mm-hmm. and the question a lot of people may even have, even after they've been in church twenty years, is I have witnessed you at like a Bible study, read a scripture. And I read the same scripture, scripture mm-hmm. 
and I got a completely different meaning than what you got out of it. Mm -hmm. Now, is that because of the years of seminary that's a, that's wrapped around it? So you know, the, you know, the context of everything mm -hmm. is that part of it, or is it the fact that I just can't read <laughs> or comprehend well what the Bible is saying? Well, remember what I said: most of the books I read are not, you know, what most people call pleasure books. So when I'm reading, I'm reading commentaries. I'm reading history books. You know. When you when when you read the Bible in the context of the historical um, uh, viewpoint, then that's when you get the true meaning. And so that's why a lot of people will read the Bible, but they will read it not based on the historical setting that it's in. Right. When you do that, it becomes clearer to you, so the meaning doesn't change. That's you know, right. it's it's kind of like if you if you were to read one of Martin Luther King's sermons today. Um, if you don't know the historical context, gotcha. it, it wouldn't come across the same. You know, like, you know I have a dream, you know, um, about, you know, all little kids playing together. Well, if you read it in the kind of the day, it doesn't, you know, it's like, right. okay, so what? <laughs> you right. know, it you don't get the, the full flavor of it. But if you know what it was like when he wrote it, then you get the true meaning of it. And that's kind of the difference in, 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 the, in, in, in that. So is that is that a, like a suggestion for people that that are more seasoned, you know, um, being saved? Like, okay, if you want to get into your Bible, start reading the other stuff that you know, getting some of the historical context of it. So now you can really get it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you really want to. You would. You want what you want to do is you want to either do one or two things. You can get a concordance, right? And a concordance will give you the uh, meaning of the word at the time the word was placed in the Bible. So that way you kind of know what it meant then. Or you can just read commentaries, and commentaries will give you that same kind of, you know, that, that, that same kind of information. Um, because th my thinking is this, it's not enough just to know what someone said from the pulpit. And the reason why I say that is this, just because a person says from the pulpit doesn't mean they have the background, hmm. you know, to give you, you know, the information. Because a lot of people tell you what they have been told. Not mm -hmm. what they have come to know as fact through their studying, you know. It's kind of like that. I look at it kind of like this. For a long time, people preached that the world was flat, right? You know, right, because right. someone else said the world was flat, right? So they kept preaching that the world was flat. Uh, and if you listen to them preach it, you believed it, and you preached the same thing. It was only when people started to say, "Wait a minute, let's study it, and let's find out for ourselves to understand that it's really not flat, that it really, you know, has some shape to it." And so I don't want, I don't, to me, I don't want to learn from someone who just preaches that the world is flat because that's what they've heard. I want to learn from someone who has taken it upon themselves to study, to understand what the true meaning is. And then I want to verify. That's my, my position always has been that even when, before I went to seminary, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I don't take too much of face value. I, I want to verify. So when I heard pe people preach or teach, I would go back and look at it for myself to either confirm what they have said or to understand better why they said what they said. Uh, because there's too much at stake. Right. You know, I'm putting my life on the line uh, based on what you said. And so I want to make sure it's factual. I want to make sure it's true. Hmm. Now, another question. Um, are you, this is another now for the audience. I'm catching him flat footed with this. He has no mm -hmm. idea what I'm about to ask. Are you familiar with a guy that was preaching, I think, in the 70s, Reverend Ike? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> I ran across him on YouTube on the prosperity um, preaching. And, you know, the I am affirmations and, you know, the whole gamut. And, and I like listening to him. He's entertaining. What is your take on Reverend Ike? Is it is it complete BS or is it got some value to it? Uh, every you know every every preacher has some value. Every, every minister has value, and and some of the things that Reverend Ike preached um, were self serving, no doubt. In my opinion, it was self serving, but some of the things he talked about, you know, had validity to them. You know, he just used them in a way that propped him up more than the other people, you know, right. that, he, that he was talking about. Um, certainly, two things. Number one, does God intend for his preachers to be poor? You know, no, he does not. You know, biblically, you know, that's, that was not the case. Right. Um, the preachers were well taken care of, you know, and, and if you go back to the Old Testament, under the way the Levitical structure was, um, they were well taken care of by the other tribes. So that part of what he talks about is valid, right? Now, in order for the preacher to be well taken care of, that means that those that support him must be well taken care of. Because right. if you make nothing, then you give the minister nothing, and everybody has, has nothing. Nothing from nothing to nothing, right? So, so from that standpoint, you know, in a, in a broad sense, what he was saying, you know, made sense. Right. Uh, it's just that the way he implemented it was kind of self-serving. Right. You know, um, so... It was. This goes back to what you were saying about the the Bible on reading it in the context of what was happening then. Because mm -hmm. when I was listening to him, I could tell you know it was from the seventies. Mm -hmm. But I said, I don't know how it was. Like you know, was he out there basically selling prayer cloths? You know, was he out there just hustling money, or was he really trying to help people? You know, get better. Because on the audio, this you know this is audio mm -hmm. in twenty twenty, it sounds like he is trying to get people to get better. I said, but I don't know the context. He skips around the Bible a lot. Sure, you know, it's like, okay, is this in the Bible? There's some of the things is, is is it in there? Is it not in there? Is it, is it no? It's not in the Bible. <laughs> is he making it up? Is just going along? Well, the prayer cross, all the stuff was not in the Bible. Now, but um, he he wasn't alone in in, in his the way he did things. Right, you know, there were a lot of preachers in the seventies and eighties that. Um, you know, send me ten ten dollars, and I send you a prayer cloth. Send me ten dollars, and I send you anointing oil, and you know all these kind of things. He he, in a sense, I I think again, I don't know him personally, but I was back there in the seventies. Right? <laughs> but he he did like a he 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 was preaching hope initially when right. he was when he was smaller in followers. It was about hope. How do I get people to 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 develop that hope for a better future? How do I give you something tangible that you can hold on to so you can feel better about yourself? Because those were turbulent times, especially in the, in the early 70s. You know, there were difficult times for a few minorities. And so we, you needed something to hold on to to say, you know what, we can get out. We can make it. We can be better. Right. And so he gave you that something that you could hold on to. You know, I guess if you were a superstitious person, like you might have a rabbit's foot. Right. But if you were a spiritual person, you got your prayer cloth. And then you got something tangible that you can say, well, you know, God is going to give me a way out. Um, now, did, did it cost? Did it, did, it, did it cost money to produce those prayer cloths? It probably did. Uh, did it cost what he charged for them prayer cloths? It probably did not. <laughs> right. He, you know. Right. So, from that standpoint, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, um, did he have good intentions? I believe he did. Was some of it self-serving? I believe it was because he's a human being. Right. Um, do I believe that prayer cloths are effective? No. 
Not really. I don't right. think it's the prayer cloth. The cloth does nothing. But what I think it does for people is it gives them the faith, you know, right. the belief. And what's important is not the cloth. The important is the faith that it generated. And so because they gave them that faith that God would do, that's, that's what's why it worked. And a lot of people, you know, could testify and say, well, it worked. It worked. I prayed and I got it. But what they got was because they now had the faith that it was going to come. Right. And it wasn't a prayer cloth. It was the faith that, that was derived by them believing that God would do it. Now, as, as a preacher yourself, what kind of preacher do you like listening to if you, if you do listen to any mm-hmm. of your spare time? And I, I do listen to some. Um, I like preachers that give me, uh, first of all, the historical significance of what the text is they're dealing with. And then to give me a practical application of how I can take what they did and apply it to my life today, you know. Um, and, and I don't, I don't, I, see, I don't view life as being how can I prosper financially. So I don't think that is the key to, to happiness. So I don't necessarily want to hear about a lot of, you know, um, prosperity kind of preaching. What I want to hear about is social um, responsibility. What I want to hear about is how can I have a, a happier existence? And happier existence doesn't necessarily mean more money. And, you know, and, and I don't know anyone personally that can honestly say more money meant more joy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I say, I'm, yeah. I know, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. Because you can be catching hail and have money. Right. And you can be, you know, so, you know, you may have money and have joy, but it don't mean that the reason why you have joy is because you got money. <clears throat> you know, when I really realized that is when I was, when I went to Jamaica and we went on an excursion and you passed by the people, you know, working in containers or living in containers and living in, in shacks. And then you see, first you see the kids running around happy. Then you see the people talking to one another happy. And I'm like, if I was in that situation, I'm not going to be happy. But I thought about it, I said, well, wait a minute. Just because I'm, you know, you know, of course I want to be in a nice house and want a nice car and things like that. But that ain't what you like, what pastor talk about. That ain't what you said you need. Right. You know, and that's when your your sermons came back to me. I said, you know what, he's absolutely right. Now, I don't want to lose none of that, good Lord. But, you know, I, I get it. You know, it's like it's, you know, it opened my eyes up to some things. You can't sleep in with one bed at a time. Right. And, 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 it's, and, and it's the thing. Most of us have dining rooms, let's say, and don't even use them. Yeah, we eat, we don't even eat in the kitchen. Anymore. Mine turned into homeschool office. <laughs> 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 no, we don't even use them. Most of us are tired of cutting that grass in that big yard. Yeah, but we want the big yard anyway. Yeah, his, 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 my father told me a long time ago. He said, "People buy nice cars primarily for other people." Other people. Yeah. He said because when you're on the inside, you don't you don't see the outside. He said, so, you know, buy a car not for the outside, buy a car for the inside. Mm-hmm. Now, if I buy it for the inside, see, it's a whole different ballgame because I don't have to have a, a now, don't get me wrong, now, I do have an expensive car, but I'm honest about it, <laughs> okay? I, I, the air conditioning in, 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 a, in a, um, a Volkswagen is just as effective as the air conditioning in a Cadillac. <laughs> yep, it sure <laughs> you, is. You know, the, the speakers, you know, all those things that you can put on the inside, 
are just as effective in that car, you know. So, I mean, as long as the car is sized for you, it really doesn't matter who made the car, you right. know. But when we buy a make, we buy the name. And I think that's that's what I'm saying is the joy is not necessarily because I have a, a Lamborghini, you know, because I can't drive I can't drive 140 miles per hour anyway, right? You know, um, and that don't mean I have joy because I have a Lamborghini. Look at how many people with Lamborghinis that, that, that are paralyzed now mm-hmm. because they had a Lamborghini with speed and got drunk and all this kind of stuff happened to them. Um, you know, if, if 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 your spouse is only happy with you because you got money, then you have a, a your relationship is not built on a strong foundation. Oh no. You know, and that's what I'm saying. If your children only respect you because you have money, then that's not respect, you know. And so, from that standpoint, that's what I'm saying. That's when I say that the prosperity is not what gives you the joy. You know, you, you can have joy with prosperity, but the prosperity is not what gives you the joy, because that's, um, as the president would say, that's fake news. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, right. I don't want my wife to love me because. I can I can provide. Right. I want you to love me because of who I am as a person. I want my children to respect me because you know I can give them more. I want them to respect me because they honor me as their father. And so, to me, you can't you can't buy that. Now, here's the now what everything going on. There's going to be a lot of people that's getting ready to find that out. Mm-hmm. And, and some have already found it out. Right. And I definitely pray for them because that's. That's not a good place to be in, you know. I can, you know, speaking from the male's point of view, that's not a good place if you were able to use the breadwinner doing all this stuff, and then you know, you got you got what the people call the trophy wife that's there, and you kind of already know that if all this stuff starts crumbling down, mm-hmm. that she's going to exit stage left, you know. And if you got kids, it's even worse. It's worse yeah. for the kids, you know. It's, worse. it's like it's just not a very good situ- you know, situation to be in. So what I, the question I got you is I got for you is um, what advice would you give a family that may be teetering on that type of you know like it's starting to bubble up mm-hmm. you know it's it's coming to the surface what kind of advice would you give to them I would say the first thing you have to do is not blame internally for an external problem. And that's something that we often do quickly, you know. I can't control what happens outside. I can only control what happens inside. So the wife shouldn't blame the husband because he got laid off, because he had no control over that. And vice versa, the husband shouldn't blame the wife if she got laid off. So that you don't want to do that. What you want to do is look at, okay, rather than us trying to deal with uh, blaming each other, Let's come together and see how can we solve the situation. You know, this, this is not a time for placing blame one person or another. This is a time for coming together and find a solution. If you know, it doesn't mean you know things won't get heated, but the heat should not be because I'm angry. The heat should be because we're we're seeking a solution to a problem. Right. And so that's a good heat, and that's what we're doing it for. Yeah. And and also, you have to also just remember that. I can't get mad about what has not happened yet. Mm. All right. You know, I got to stay in the moment. So if in the moment we're doing okay, 
then let's enjoy each other right now. We can still be frugal in how we do things. Let's enjoy what we have right now and not get mad about next week not having something because then you spend a whole week angry over something that you didn't have to stay a week angry about. You worried a whole week about something you did not have to worry about. And so live in the moment, enjoy the moment. I think if people do that, they're gonna be okay. All right, that's great advice. Well, we have covered a lot today. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up um, before we close out? Just wanna remind people, you know, several of you have said to me um, by text message that you you missed Everyday Strong because you especially needed during this time. <laughs> so. We're back full force, and we're not going to let you down. And, and thank you for texting me and letting me know that you missed us, because sometimes people hadn't done that. So let us know if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, and that's what we'll talk about. Yeah. All right, thank you, Dr. Daniels, and thank you. This is your host, Siggy Baker. Till next time.